Chapter Thirty One of One Commonplace Day by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A Night to Remember. Mr. Cleveland, when he came to learn if possibly something had been heard from the lost man at his home, found Kate there alone. This will not do, he said positively, when he took in the situation. It will not do at all. You cannot stay in such a neighborhood as this alone. I must, said Kate, gravely, and therefore I can. It is my part of this tragedy. We must not desert the only place he knows as home, lest he might come. But is there not somebody to stay with you? She shook her head. Nobody from whom I do not shrink more than from solitude. There are few neighbors here, and those not of a sort to depend on in time of need. Where is the woman whose baby died? watching over the next one who is also going to die. The world is full of sorrow for some, Mr. Cleveland. He turned from her abruptly, with the briefest possible good night. It was then nine o'clock. He went with long, swift strides down the street, making no pauses until he reached Miss Wainwright's home. Then he gave such a jerk to the bell-knob as brought that energetic woman herself, but a step behind Keziah, to see what was the matter. "'What is it?' she asked, the moment she caught sight of the messenger. "'Any news?' "'No news at all. We are watching every street corner, and every rum-hole in town. It does not seem possible, if he is alive, that he can elude us much longer. Miss Wainwright, she is quite alone in the house, in that neighborhood.' "'Who is?' "'Kate, utterly alone, not even a neighbor to call upon.' If he should come home in the night, raving, as he is liable to do, or if a dozen other things should happen, what would become of her? Where is the wife? Gone to Miss Hunter's bright little room to watch. It is a heaven-born idea, but it makes it no less desolate and dreadful for Kate. Can you think of anything to do? Is there someone, some woman, who can be hired to go there for the night? No said Miss Wainwright, speaking slowly. I do not suppose there is, at least if there is, I am not acquainted with her. Miss Hunter would go, but she is looking after the poor wife, I suppose. Well, I asked the Lord to give me work in the cause. To be sure, I did not expect it to come in this form, but work isn't apt to come in the form in which you have planned it. I have always noticed that. I'll be ready in ten minutes, Mr. Cleveland. Come in." you said mr cleveland it was genuine astonishment miss wainwright was never known to spend a night away from her beautiful old home to be sure what else is there to do come in where it is warm keziah get my things and bring the wicker basket i packed this afternoon you can carry it can't you mr cleveland it isn't very heavy keziah might go she said, lowering her voice as she looked after the astonished handmaiden. But Keziah, though a jewel in some respects, is a nuisance in others. The fact is, she is a coward. If I were to send her down there, I should expect her to die of a thousand imaginary evils before morning, besides making a nuisance of herself generally to poor Kate. Oh, I'll go, of course, there is nothing else to do. But you cannot walk there, my dear Miss Wainwright. I will go for my carriage. I can have it here in ten minutes. No, you won't. I can walk well enough if I choose. 
I am not over-fond of walking, and I see no reason why I should do it for pleasure, since there is no pleasure in it. But I can walk on occasion, and would rather do it than ride after those horses of yours in the night, especially over on the flats. Peter has a cold. I sent him home early with orders to soak his feet and go to bed, or you might go over for him. But there is no need I can walk. She was as good as her word ready in less than ten minutes, and they were out together in the clear starlight. As they passed the brightly lighted hall, Mr. Cleveland gave, incidentally, a bit of information. "'We had the largest temperance meeting tonight we have had at all, and the most enthusiastic one. Some of our friends are getting pretty thoroughly roused. This thing has stirred their blood. Lloyd McLean went forward the moment the opportunity was given, and put his name to the total abstinence pledge, and has been working like a general for signers ever since. I left the meeting in his charge when I came away. "'Thank the Lord,' said Miss Wainwright. There was a ring in her voice, which he noticed as peculiar. "'Why didn't you tell me that before?' she demanded. "'I forgot for the moment that the ladies were not out at the meeting this evening.' Why, are you particularly interested in him? I am particularly interested in all young men, and besides, added the truthful voice, after a moment of silence, I knew his father once. Ah, yes, I remember. But there was very little that he knew to remember. The son of an old friend, this was enough to account for a special interest. He had felt a peculiar interest himself in the bright young man, and there had always been a fear that he was in danger from the gay world. The stand taken this evening had given him a momentary feeling of joy, but the experiences of the past few days were so absorbing him that it had quickly passed from his mind. As they turned the corner which led to the flats, Mr. Cleveland said, "'She stayed all alone in the house last night. It ought not to have been.' This is no place for an unprotected young girl like her. Miss Wainwright, I don't know how to thank you for this night's sacrificing kindness. Why should you thank me? asked this plain-spoken woman. Why, is it anything to you? To this no sort of answer was given, and the rest of the walk was taken in complete silence. It was after midnight again, and the town was still. Revelry there might be behind closely drawn shades or close folding shutters, but the respectable portion of the old town was, for the most part, in bed. Houses were dark, there was starlight and a late moon, therefore the street lamps were not lighted. One window was bright, the little cheery room with its bright fire burning in the grate, its two rocking chairs drawn up to the table waiting its big old bible on the stand showed plainly to the passer-by at the window there knelt again a woman she had shaded the light in the early evening when many were passing and shaded herself from public gaze as well as she could and at the same time not lose the sight of any face but now the light burned up brightly and she watched and waited suddenly she gave a quick spring forward into the night john she said, her voice low and clear. John! And she caught at the sleeve and held on. Let me alone, said a muffled voice. Let me go. She held on and held with force, and drew him by sheer force backward a step. 
she had carefully kept up her strength all day for this moment john oh john come in come in here see i am all alone it is a nice place no one will see you or hear i have waited and waited for you he tried to hold back even then but she drew him by the power of her stronger will he was fairly within the little bright room at last she shut the door with a quick backward motion and turned the key and drew it from the lock then she drew down the shades the outside world must not look in now john she said sit down poor john and tell me all about it they got hold of you and you did not mean it i know you did not i trust you fully john you did not mean to go away from me ever again but they got hold of you before you knew it and then you were not willing to come home i know all about it you need not tell me you are hungry you must eat i have supper waiting for you she slipped into the outer room the speck of a kitchen the key was in her pocket there was a bit of a cook-stove there and something hot and nourishing simmered on it miss hunter herself was bending over it rapidly dishing it up she had a cup by her side and she set down the bowl and poured coffee hot and strong give him this she said the wife's eyes were shining like coals take this to him i will get the other ready mrs hartzell seized the cup and went back to her husband a night to remember i should think so as long as memory lasts to john hartzell's wife either on this side or the other she knows that she will remember every word and look and almost every thought of that night as though it were photographed in pictures of flame before her it was more than that it was cut into her heart she dealt with a soul on the very verge of human despair you know nothing about the drunkard's despair you cannot imagine it neither they tell me can i i have heard one talk and his picture was so vivid that it seems to me at times i can imagine the scene yet what must it be to feel it he drank the coffee drank it with a feverish thirst but he did it sullenly he asked her why she was there he told her that it was all over that he had given up that he had been in hell for the last thirty-six hours and he knew that such was his portion she must let him go why had she brought him there to torture him his misery was deep enough now he was going away where he would never trouble her or kate any more they would never hear of him again to all of which she made answer only in a quiet matter-of-fact way john eat that or drink this her excitement seemed to be gone she was as still as the night and as gentle in her tones and ways as a child when she felt that he had taken all the nourishment she dared to give she set aside the empty cup and came and knelt down before him john look here i am not going to be deserted i will not be it is folly for you to talk in that way to me for you cannot get away from me we promised ourselves to each other for ever and there is no such thing as getting away from it i will go with you to the world's end if you say so but remember i am to be with you john you know the sort of life your father lived but you must forget that and remember the way he died annie he said to me that last night remember this god has saved me and he can save anybody 
that proves it. Do you never give up John for a minute? We must spend eternity together to make up for the way we have thrown away time. I promised him, John, and I mean to keep the promise. And now I want to tell you another thing. You can begin life over again and make up here. Father waited too long, but you are young. You can undo ever so much of the past. I know how to do it, and I can tell you the only way. You want God. You must have His power with you all the time. It is the only way to get through this dangerous world. I know I should have died last night or gone mad if I had not had God to hide me. He can hide you, and He will do it. Listen to this. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and His children shall have a place of refuge. Think of that shall, how strong it is. God's shall. That is what you need. That is what you are looking for. I can show you how to find it. Think of walking these streets in strong confidence that no one can touch you because God has his strength wrapped all about you. John, you have tried it, and you know that human strength will not do. Here is God's strength waiting for you, and the way is so easy. Get down on your knees here with me and just say, God, for Christ's sake, take me, hide me in that place of refuge. He promised it, so he will never refuse you. Just a word, and the thing is done. You don't know about it, what a strength there is and a power, but you will. He can't save you unless you want to be saved, and are willing to let him do it. He had never heard such words before from his wife. In their earlier years she had been gentle and shrinking, and during the later bitter experiences of life she had been cowed and sullen. Now she was calm and resolute, and as sure, apparently, of the rock on which she rested, as though it had been visible granite under her feet. It was no new story to this well-taught man, he had forgotten it long ago, but the memories of early years came trooping up to him, verse after verse of promise, pleading, warning, came and knocked at his heart. Never was there a fiercer battle waged with Satan for a soul than went on in that room that night, where the shades were drawn close for the first time. The hours passed, and the grey dawn of another morning began to creep over the world. In the little room they did not know it, for the shades were heavy and the lamp burned brightly still. At the back door in the kitchen there came a low tap. Miss Hunter went on tiptoe and set the door ajar. The knocker was Mr. Cleveland. "'We saw him come in,' he murmured and he certainly has not gone out again. I thought perhaps I ought to come and see if help were needed. Miss Hunter stepped out into the frosty air and closed the door behind her. Even with this precaution, she bent forward and spoke in a whisper. Mr. Cleveland, he prayed. I heard his voice, and I heard the first words. Then I stopped my ears, for I knew that they ought to be alone with God. I believe he is a saved man. I don't like to disturb them, but the fire must be getting low, and pretty soon they ought to have some breakfast. The prosaic and the eternities mingling. Yet while the flesh enfolds us, what are we to do without the prosaic? God bless the souls who, capable of rising to the heights which belong to immortality, yet think of fire and breakfast. Mr. Cleveland made one more call before he took his breakfast. Kate was up and dressed, 
and looking out of the south window with the first streaks of morning sunlight glinting over her she did not stop for his knock but came to the door silent waiting he held out his hand to her smiling do you remember an old story which ran thus inquire in the house of judas for one called saul of tarsus for behold he prayeth history has repeated itself if you inquire for one john hartzell behold he prayeth that is the last word i have had of him not ten minutes ago kate god has come down to us and stretched out his hand of power and supplemented our weakness now you and i with this token of what he is willing to do must join hands and reach out to him in behalf of the perishing world can we work together kate and then miss wainwright came to the door i heard the first words she said and went back to thank the lord now you two may come in and have some breakfast it is early but somehow it seemed to me that a good breakfast would be needed here this morning so i got up early and looked after it and once more the eternities and the blessed prosaics met end of chapter thirty one end of one commonplace day by pansy recording by tricia g